Hello and welcome to series two of Scran. I'm your host, Rosalind Erskine, and this is a podcast that is passionate about food and drink. I hope you've had a chance to catch up with series one, which is available wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, I'll be speaking to a range of people in Scotland's innovative food and drink scene. As well as a good chat, I hope to also give you some ideas and tips for cooking and creating drinks at home as we face this current coronavirus crisis together. Coming up, I'll be visiting Rob and Gabrielle in Dunkeld. They're the founders of Burke and Tree, a company that harvests birch water from an ancient woodland in Perthshire. So in, in Scotland, you got this incredible fungus in these ancient birch woods. It's called Chaga. It's C-H-A-G-A. And you also get it in Siberia and Canada. It's, uh, Scotland forms part of the great boreal forest that stretches across all these countries. And this fungus uh, grows on living birch trees. And it's really very complex, but it. Um, so what we do is we just harvest a little bit of it and then we make a tincture. And this tincture is really good for boosting the immune system. And I'll also be speaking to Kat Thompson, the restaurant critic for the Scotland on Sunday newspaper. She's going to be talking all things foraging. I think Scottish Natural Heritage have a, like an online resource that you can download. And it just gives you some examples of some of the plants that, you know, you can, you can sort of harvest and sort of enjoy from the wild. I mean, Scotland has got the the most amazing natural larder. Happy Easter weekend, everyone. I'm now recording this episode from my home in Glasgow, as like many others, I'm now working from home. While this Easter weekend might not be like others, as we may be away from friends and family, we are still here to chat about some of the best scran around. There's definitely still some good food and drinks to be enjoyed in a lockdown. This series will now be out on Fridays on a fortnightly basis, and we have some great guests on season two, from foraging tips to recipes from top chefs and insights from whiskey aficionados. I chatted to Kat Thompson from the Scotland on Sunday about some foraging tips and what she's been cooking during lockdown. Hi Kat, how are you finding working from home? Hi Ros, I'm, I'm finding it all quite strange working from home. It's a big steep learning curve. I have a little office in the corner of my kitchen which is quite entertaining with a kind of a whole series of family members trooping in to get cups of tea and coffee but like everybody else we're just having to make do and just model through as best we can. Have you been cooking much from home and if so what recipes have been working well? Definitely been forced um, to spend more time in the kitchen obviously you're kind of looking in cupboards and seeing what you've got there in terms of ingredients so there have been some sort of unusual combinations that we've been trying out but just you know regular wholesome good food as fresh as we can. I've been giving sort of Baking bread ago, which is good fun as long as the dry yeast lasts. I think we've all made some random meals at some point during this time. I spoke to Gabrielle and Rob at Birkentree for this week's episode. What are your thoughts on foraging and forage foods? Oh, I'm a big fan of foraging. There's something uh, so appealing about finding your own food and getting ingredients for free. I mean, food in general can be quite expensive, but there's I get a wee thrill if you can manage to pick some wild raspberries or brambles in the autumn it's it's a lovely way to tie in your food with the landscape obviously we're all sort of homebound at the, the moment and you're discovering more and more about your local area I'm very fortunate I stay in the Scottish borders and in a rural situation so I'm sort of surrounded by woodland and moorland and um, I've really really been enjoying getting out in the fresh air sort of seeing nature but there's loads and loads of different things that you can forage. So lots of weeds that you wouldn't think you could eat, you can. So it's a big proviso foraging. You must be 150% confident 
that you know what you are picking and eating because there are lots of plants that look similar to each other, but one is uh, absolutely fine to eat and one is poisonous. An example of that can be cow parsley. It's very, very similar looking to hemlock, which obviously hemlock is poisonous. But there are loads and loads of sort of weeds, if you like, that you can eat um, safely. So you'll know dandelion, you'll know daisy, rowan, birch. There's there's a whole host of things. And it's great if you have expert knowledge or you can um, sort of look online at various different sort of things. If you, as long as you're confident, you know what you're looking at, you can give it a go and it's free. So it's definitely worth doing. I'm very interested in birch tea. It's not something that I have ever given a go, but I'm I'm absolutely sort of fascinated to find out what it tastes like. And maybe I try it myself, you never know. You mentioned there that some people can mistake some plants for others. How can people avoid that? Basically, how can people who are new to foraging distinguish between what is fine and not fine to pick? I'll say now that I'm, I'm really not an expert. But there are sort of loads of different publications online that you can you can look at. I think Scottish Natural Heritage have a like an online resource that you can download, and it just gives you some examples of some of the plants that you know you can you can sort of harvest and sort of enjoy from the wild. I mean, Scotland has got the the most amazing natural larder, and we're very fortunate. One of the good things that comes out of the coronavirus is that people kind of reconnect to the landscape and, and think about where the food is coming from. It's definitely, definitely a great thing. Forage foods on menus at restaurants seem to be quite popular just now. What are your thoughts on eating out on forage foods? Well, I mean, there's, worldwide there has been an amazing sort of expansion of forage food. I think Noma Restaurant in Copenhagen, I think it's a two-star Michelin restaurant, is, is obviously at the forefront of pushing unusual tastes and flavours. The chef there, Rene uh, Redzepi, is you know using fermentation of products, um, dehydrated or sort of dried mushrooms and things like that. And I just think it's great. It's amazing. It's it's taking sort of the very best of nature that you you might not be aware of, and just sort of presenting it in a very very grown up, impressive way. I mean, in Scotland, there are a lot of restaurants and chefs that are using forage food. There's a, a forager, Forager Ben, who I know works with a lot of the, the restaurants. Um, I know he works with Neil Forbes at Café St. Honoré and The Lookout um, by Gardener's Cottage. Also Paul Wedgwood from Wedgwood's Restaurant. And there's also Forage and Chatter. So there are a lot of restaurants, a lot of chefs being really creative with mushrooms, you know, wild mushrooms. They're trying to find an elusive memorable taste from plants that you can find all around us. I know you've touched on this already, but what's your experience of foraging? I saw you've shared a wild garlic pesto recipe with us on the food and drink site. Well, I'm a big fan of foraging, just from watching like River Cottage. Um, John Wright used to have a great laugh with Keith Burnley Whittingstall. And it, it was kind of watching those programmes that made me sort of tempt to give it a go. But I also sought advice. Um, my kids, are teenagers now but when they were very young our youngest Hope got fascinated by fungus and mushrooms so we went on a couple of sort of foraging sort of properly guided organised events and it's magical just being able to identify something and to be able to cook it and eat it but mushrooms I can't stress enough if you don't know what they are don't touch them 
with all scents kind of foraging, you must be careful not to take too much and leave the stuff for nature to, to sort of be able to replicate and grow so that next year when you come back, there is something there. As I said before, I live in the Scottish borders and we are blessed by woodland, which is absolutely a delight to walk in. But there's a huge patch of wild garlic, which you cannot, once you know what it looks like, you cannot fail to be able to identify. You smell it before you, you, you kind of see it. Sort of long, sort of luscious green stems and beautiful sort of spikes of white flowers. It's just a, such a pungent smell in the forest. It's just beautiful. But there's also wood wood sorrel in another patch of woodland near us, which is like has a great flavour. You can eat the leaves and salad. A kind of a lemony sharp kind of taste. But I, I I kind of I wanted to try and make pesto this year. It's something that I've thought about doing before, but. I didn't really want to do it. I mean, I've used it in uh, cheese scones before, which is great, and I've added it into bread. But I made the most delicious pesto, which um, I've got a jar of it in the fridge, which we're trying to eat the remains of. And it was just just very, very simple, just the leaves. I'm just trying to think what else was in it. Oil. I had some Parmesan, but you can use vegetarian version of that. And some lemon juice, I think. I think that was basically it does it up um, and there you go you know it's a beautiful sustainable delicious meal and um, I'm hoping to use someone's sort of like bruschetta tonight with some cheese on top it's going to be great really looking forward to it sounds like dinner at your house will be delicious thanks so much for the great tips there Kat thank you no bother thanks for asking me on bye okay bye Well, that definitely gave me some inspiration for new recipes to try as well as some foraging tips. Before lockdown, I went to Dunkeld in Perthshire to visit Gabrielle and Rob and find out more about their business, Birkentree, which harvests birch water. As well as talking me through the harvest, they discussed the health benefits we can all get from the birch tree. I even got the chance to sample some of the birch water and trust me, it's lovely and really refreshing. It's also worth noting that this interview was recorded a couple of weeks before the government lockdown rules were put in place. And from now on, I'll be doing phone interviews with guests due to the current circumstances. I'm your host, Rosalind Erskine, and I'm here today in the beautiful woodland in Perthshire, uh, not far from Dunkeld. Um, It's a beautiful sunny day, we've got some lovely views. Uh, It's finally pretty nice weather um, and I'm here with Gabrielle and Rob from Birkentree and we're going to be harvesting some birch water. Uh, so hi Gabrielle. Hi, how are you doing? Fine, how are you? Good, good, thanks. It's beautiful today. so Yeah, it makes a nice change. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, so can you tell me a little bit about what we're going to do today? Yeah, of course. So in the springtime, in March time, when the sap is rising up in the birch trees, you can harvest the sap and drink it. It's really good for you. So what we're going to do today is, what you see here is a lot of birch trees with bags on it. And in, in there, you see some water liquid. So that's what we're going to harvest is the birch sap. So the birch water is the sap? Yes, exactly. And um, it's got quite a lot of good health properties. So um, what, what are they? So basically, uh, you can imagine it's like the tree blood. So what's happening is the tree gets all the groundwater and uh, enrich it with minerals and vitamins, enzymes, antioxidants, everything that the tree needs to get back to life. So it's really, really good for you. And this happens just in the springtime, yeah? Yes, exactly. Only for four weeks. So not long? Oh no, we are really busy at that time. Um, So just have a quick walk around um, and have a little... I'll describe what's happening.
Um, so yeah, as you say, there's um, lots of blue plastic bags on the trees, which is why I knew I was in the right place when I was driving here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so when did you put the taps in? Are they kind of uh, always there? It was a bit early this spring. It was about the 3rd of March, something like that. Um, so right now, because it's warmer, we are really in full season. Uh, some bugs, as you can see, are really, really full over there. Uh, some don't give very much, so it really depends if the tree is different. Like how many other companies do this? This is quite rare. Yeah, well, uh, actually there are other uh, companies in the UK selling birch water, but they import their birch sap from Latvia, Finland. So we are actually the first in Scotland to harvest the birch water. And are birch trees quite common in Scotland? Yes, there are plenty of it, especially in Perthshire. It's just everywhere, so it's perfect for us. That's good. Okay, so we'll just keep walking. We're also joined by Ronan, who I think is the youngest member of the team. Yes, he's almost 11 months, so pretty young. And he's not saying anything yet because he's, <laughs> wondering, he's wondering what's, what's going on. Hello, say hi. Hiya. So, hi, Rob. Hi there. We're here at um, Cardney Estate in uh, Highland Perthshire. It's a beautiful day in the ancient Birchwoods here. And um, so you say ancient, how old roughly are these trees? So some of these bigger trees will be upwards of 300 years old. And they were in an ancient birchwood, which has probably been here since more or less the last ice age, 9,000 years ago. And was this quite a common practice years ago when it kind of fell out of fashion, or is it...? Yeah, certainly in Scotland, and particularly in the highlands of Scotland, uh, people would tap birch trees in the springtime, because they knew that there were lots of minerals and enzymes in the, in the sap, and they would uh, kind of drink it as a spring tonic. And then now it's come obviously come back into, not fashion, but something that you've obviously known that is a good thing to do and have started doing it and Gabriel was saying you're the only people in Scotland doing it so it's quite interesting. Yeah as far as we know we're the only people commercially producing birch water. There's there's um, a lot of birch in Scotland, there's probably over something over 20 million birch trees here. So there's a big resource of birch, a big birch water market and a lot of that has been coming from Latvia and the kind of eastern Europe's you know Russian states. Can people do this themselves um, if you know they had a birch tree in their garden or nearby, is it something they can do or is it a bit kind of complicated? No, it's not complicated at all. It's, it's very easy. You just need to get the timing right. So you just watch out for little signs in springtime, early spring, early March, usually when the buds start to swell a little bit and the birds are coming back. And you drill a small hole in the tree, you can put a garden hose in, plastic hose into a plastic bottle and just see what comes out of the tree at that point. You need to taste it to make sure it's tasting good. It should taste, have a silkiness to it and have a just a very, very slightly sweet um, taste after taste. Is that all you need to do? Can you drink it straight away? You don't have to do anything to it? No, you can drink it straight away. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it's really good for you. Yeah. And imagine it's probably something quite nice to add to like drinks and cocktails and things. Exactly. Uh, yeah, the plus, it's a kind of a win-win. It's um, In Russia, they use it as a hangover cure because of the mineral content. It's very hydrating. There's lots of electrolytes. It's good for just overall health the immune system and athletes and you can also mix it with um, things like gin and whiskey it mixes really well as I say we're surrounded by blue bags on the trees um, so you've put that in they've filled up because the weather's getting a bit warmer and then do you just over the course of how long does it take you to get all the water out it's a really short window it's about three weeks so that's why it's so critical to get the timing right or you missed it for the whole year. So, um, yeah, we just caught it. We're in the second week now of, of harvesting. Does that mean there just will be no more or because the tree uses it or is it you don't want to go past that? Uh, no, because the snap eventually stops flowing. The taste change it becomes bitter, so it, it's not drinkable beyond those three weeks and it starts to the, the sap flow decreases at the point as well. And then um, we've said we're, we're in pressure and there's a lot of trees here. Is that why you chose here? Or are you from here or how did you come to do this? Uh, yeah, it was a good question. Uh, we, we live we live in Perthshire so it was uh, and it, it 
prepared. This part of Perthshire grows very good trees. It's lots of good woodland here, so it was it was ideal for us. And it's lovely, but I imagine it's not as nice when it's chucking it down with snow. No, it's not. It's not always romantic, like it, and nice like it is today. Yeah, seven days ago we had five inches of snow here, and you know sideways rain the other day. So it just you know you you just you got to suck it up and get on with it. Yeah. Um, so can we just go and have a wander over? So this one's not particularly full is it quite a new one or is it sometimes they just won't fill up uh, sometimes they won't fill up uh we've got uh so this tree there's probably about a litre in that one um about four trees over you've got a tree that's got 10 litres in the bag and will you use these trees every year or do you have to kind of rotate we tend to not come back to the same trees but um you can you know in america they, they're sapping maple trees it's the same principle exactly the same process really they go back to the same tree year on year, so we probably could if we wanted to. At the moment, we've got plenty of birch, so we, we don't need to. So. Once you've done all this, um, you bottle it up and sell it in different products. Um, so what, is it just the plain water, or do you add it to different things? Uh, so at the moment, we have the plain water, as it is. Uh, we're also about to launch a sparkling version, which is really nice. Uh, we're going to have that in some of the fine dining establishments in Scotland and that also goes really well with gin. We'll have a smaller bottle size of the still version that will go really nicely with whiskey as a mixer. Is it just the sap that you can um, take from the tree or are there other things that you can harvest that are good for you? Uh, lots of other things. So we, um, once the sapping, tapping season's over in March, uh, we'll go into picking birch leaves in early, uh, well, early May, late April. And the leaves, you can use to make a really nice, nutritious tea. Um, you can also put them in a bath. Birch is very good for the skin. It helps rebuild collagen in the skin. Yeah, it's an incredible tree. Which not many people would know about, because I had no idea that all that was going on. Well, exactly. I mean, we're not reinventing. This is nothing... Sorry, we're not inventing something new. This is uh, just reviving old traditional skills and knowledge that, that's kind of disappeared over the ages. We've talked about the birch water, the sap. We've talked about the leaves. Uh, there's something else which um, you can harvest from the tree. Yeah, it's really interesting. So in, in Scotland, you get this incredible fungus in these ancient birch woods. It's called chaga. It's C-H-A-G-A. And you also get it in Siberia and Canada. It's, uh, Scotland forms part of the great boreal forest that stretches across all these countries. And this fungus uh, grows on living birch trees. And it's really very complex. But it. Um, so what we do is we just harvest a little bit of it and then we make a tincture. And this tincture is really good for boosting the immune system. Um, it also has all sorts of healing properties. We're not going to claim things, so we need to be really careful with that, but um, we know that in places like Japan, they actually treat cancer patients with this because um, it's so potent. So, yeah, it's really incredible. And is it something, that can we see that now on these trees, or like, is it quite easy to spot? Uh, it's not, not that easy to spot. It's not, it's not common, but once you get your eye in, you can spot, spot it, and there's some just round over the the other side of the wood there we can show you in a bit but we're really careful we just take a little bit at a time um, we've come across examples of people have been foraging for chaga and taking the whole fungus and basically killed the killed the fungus so we're really careful we just take a little bit and leave the rest to grow is that because obviously it's needed in nature as well as not wanting to take it from other people yeah there's that as well yeah and it's also you know we don't want to do any harm to the tree or the fungus so it lives in symbiosis with the tree so it lives it, it, it grows on living birch trees and uh, quite happily and the tree's happy with that so we don't want to harm the tree or the fungus when we take some and how do you make the tincture so uh, gabrielle makes the tincture actually so what what we do is we we grind the chaga down and then you have to soak it in a water a combination of water all water and uh, neat alcohol or actually for a month um 
and that makes this this tincture is it's it's very dense and very complex. You need a little bit of alcohol just to release some of the kind of non um, hydrosoluble components within it. And what would you use it? Would you just have it in drinks, or do you use it in cooking, or just have it? Neat. No, what you do is uh, you take as we we produce it with a dropper, so you take it under your tongue, so about ten drops three times a day. Um, it's also very good for skin conditions, things like psoriasis. Uh, we've seen people applying it straight to skin conditions, and it really really helps with those sorts of things. It's good for inflammation, things like arthritis and rheumatism. It really helps with those. So the birch tea is a uh, superfood in its whole <laughs> its whole being. It's incredible, yeah. This, I mean, the more we the more we work with them, the more we're uncovering all the time. Um, xylitol, which people with diabetes use as a natural sweetener, the best form of xylitol actually comes from the birch tree. It's naturally produced. It's amazing, yeah, yeah. And um, just wondering, uh, how so over the course of your harvest time, how much birch water will you have? Uh, so this year we'll probably have in the region of about eight thousand litres, which will see us through for the the coming year. We hope. Yeah. And you collect them in these plastic containers and then just bottle it and. And pressure? Yeah, more or less. We have a little bit of a process that we, you know, we don't tell many people about. But it, the, the birch sap itself is very active; it will ferment very quickly. So we have a process whereby we we can halt that that fermentation process and preserve most of the health benefits in it. Um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah, really active and uh, interesting stuff. So from tree to bottle, is it quite a quick process then? If you're one to, uh, if you're doing it at home, uh, I would advise people to either drink it straight away. Put it in the fridge, it'll last for about two, three days, or freeze it. So treat it like a live thing, it's not like actual water? It's a bit like milk, um, but it actually shows, it's actually a good thing, it shows how active it is and full of full of goodness. And probably a stupid question, because you'll know yourself very well, but if people are unsure, what does a birch tree look like? Well, um, that's it's not as daft as it sounds, so <laughs> most people associate birch with being, you know, have this very white kind of striking bark, but actually... We're standing in this ancient birch wood today, and these are not white. These are old and gnarly. They're kind of grey. They're covered in fissures and lichens and, and mosses. So they, they can be quite different. Yeah, they do look ancient. Yes, yeah. Yeah, you can tell. And they're, you know, they're, it's a, a, one tree is an ecosystem in itself. absolutely covered in lichens and mosses and supports something like 160-odd insect and invertebrate uh, species. So they're, they're amazing. We're just pouring some of the... Uh, birch water out now, which has come from a really quite small tap. I thought it'd be bigger than that, but no. <laughs> and there we go. Just put it back on there. And so will that stay there now for the next oh, couple of weeks? Yeah? Exactly. It stays on the same tree, same bag on the same tree. We, we come here every day, empty the bags, take the sap away. And uh, yeah, that's our routine. And so there's there's this forest, but is there other, sorry woodland? Is there you've got others as well? Like roughly, how many trees are you tapping? Uh, this year we'll be tapping something in the region of um, 250, 300 trees. And is it just the two of you? Yeah, it's just the two of us at the moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a pretty full on. Yeah. Yeah, you can imagine. Yes. And a baby. Yes. <laughs> Who's uh, getting right involved? Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, how long have have you had the company? It's quite new. About two, two, two years. Two years, now. yeah. We had the idea after um, we kind of were vaguely aware of it, but uh, we discovered that um, after buying a bottle of birch water, all the birch water on the planet comes from Scandinavia, and the Russian states. And we thought, well, that's mad. In this day and age, you know, which Scotland should be, we want to be Scotland on the map. So that's 
Plus, they're not exactly different. That different to here, are they? So it's like, why why would you get it all the way from there when you can get it here? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and we should be looking at things like carbon footprints and you know air miles and all those things. Um, so that's why we're really keen on it. Yeah. So what were you doing before? Was something similar or? No, I'm I'm a forester. Gabrielle's been a chiropractor and is into plant healing now. So we. With with those skills and knowledge that we had, we put them together, and we you know we knew a lot of the woodlands in Perthshire. We knew where to go, where where the best wood birch woodlands were. So that was really useful. So were you doing this for yourself personally before, knowing the benefits? Uh, not really. No, no. We wanted to do to take a project that had um, that fitted with our kind of ethos of of sustainability and health and and traditional skills and knowledge. So yeah, it was a nice fit. Yeah. And it's taken off because you were. Uh, shortlisted for the most innovative product at the here's a plug Scotsman Food and Drink Awards yeah. just last year weren't you? Yeah that was really nice yeah it was great yeah and we were just a very new small company at that point so it was great to be there we had a really good a good time yeah So we're back now in the kind of semi-warmth of your car <laughs> with Gabrielle hello Hi there um, so Thank you very much for that nice little walk around the woodland there uh, Rob mentioned that birch water um, is good for gin and whiskey Could you tell me more about that? Yeah of course So um, it's just one day we realised that um, You know we're just trying out um, Testing the birch water with other things uh, Cooking his ones for example You know we're just Try to push fish with it was really nice and uh, Rob tried it with his whiskey because uh, he always puts a bit of tap water in it and uh, we were thinking that might be nice with it and actually we, he realised that it's really really good because it takes a, the edge of the whiskey away so it doesn't burn and it brings up the flavours and um, then we tried again with friends and families and at some markets and people were really liking it. That's good. So you're getting your whiskey and some health benefits. Yeah, exactly. And uh, because it's apparently good for hangover, it helps, you know. Yeah, I think <laughs> after. Anything that's going to help a hangover is going to be good. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, so whereabouts, um, I know you can buy online, but if people are out and about, where can they try the birch water in restaurants or hotels? Okay, so at the moment, because we are quite a young company, we are at few farmers markets and we had a few shops here and there like the Scottish Deli and Mains of Teamouth, uh, the Vegan Cafe. Uh, we'll be in three chimneys as well, uh, but it's in sky though, it's a bit far away. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully for Nap Castle. But yeah, this year we will really emphasize our presence into uh, some rest- other restaurants and, and delis and things. Yeah, because it's quite an interesting ingredient for chefs to use or bartenders. Yes. So yeah. yeah, well, the three chimneys use it for their birch forest gato, their dessert. So uh, they make a nice, really, really, really nice dessert with our sap and our leaves. I'm going there soon, so I need to try it. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely do it. <laughs> Just one quick last question before we move on to um, Desert Island Jams and my life in food. What might surprise people about your job? Probably they really didn't know that you could get water from the trees at all. Uh, so at the first, you know, the first moment when they try, as they're really surprised that it tastes like water, but different mm. and they often say it's weirdly good uh, because it confuses the brain you expect water but it's not at all water is full of complex in flavors especially rare taste uh, but it's really full in mouth so the silkiness of the of the birch water is really surprising mm. oh we have a little taste is that yes, okay exactly. <laughs> thank you that's lovely is that made from the wood? Yes. Birch wood, nice. So I've got a lovely wooden cup here. And you're right, it does look just like water. 
Sorry. I just called Bush for Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hence the name. It's nice, yeah. It's it's very subtle, but it's it tastes like it definitely quenches your thirst, which is a weird thing to say, it but it's got like a nice refreshing. Obviously, it's cold. It's really clean. Yeah. It's really, and it, that's what birch is doing as well. It's cleansing your body. You know, it's really rehydrating and replenishing, revitalizing it. You really feel it even in the taste. Mm. Yeah, completely. I can imagine that this would definitely help a hangover. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. It's it's yeah. I know what you mean. It's. You'd expect him water, which is quite boring, and it's got something else to it. Yes. It's lovely. And when it's a bit warmer, you know, if you let it sit, the taste will change. It will, you will get more sweetness or more, more aromas. Okay, well, we'll um, move on just now to a section of the podcast, which is called Desert Island Drinks. Um, so if you were to take three drinks onto a desert island, what would they be and why? Oh, right. Okay. Oh, that's a tricky question. Well, birch water, of course, uh, for hydration, especially if we're on an island, you know. My favorite juice is uh, strawberry, uh, so a fruit, fruit, fruity juice. Uh, Do you drink whiskey or gin or anything alcoholic? Wine? Uh, wine, yeah. yeah. Uh, port. Port, actually, oh, yeah. Nice. Lovely, love port. So I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions. Um, if you could just answer the first thing that comes into your head, that would be great. What food brings back childhood nostalgia? Let's say potato gratin. If you were to cook yourself a meal in an hour, what would it be? Um, probably a nice um, fried noodles, um, stuff fry thing. What is your food guilty pleasure? Oh dear, there are several, but uh, <laughs> there would be uh, definitely ice cream and a chocolate cake. Together? Oh, yeah, why not? <laughs> You're in a bar at 1am, what do you order? Uh, probably some um, nice gin. Uh, yeah, definitely. Nice Persia gin? Yeah, Persia, I love Persia gin, yeah. Um, if you knew it was going to be your last ever meal, what would you have? Probably some carbonara. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a really good, a really good one from Italy, yes. yes. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks again to Gabrielle and Rob for letting me explore with them. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening to the start of Series 2. We'll be back on the 24th of April for another episode of Scran. I hope this season gives you all some light relief from our current circumstances and ideas of what to cook and drink while staying at home. This episode was presented and co-produced by me, Rosalind Erskine, and co-produced, edited and mixed by Morvan McIntyre. You can download Scran wherever you listen to your podcasts, but for exclusive, interactive, immersive content, download the Entail app for iOS and Android. If you like what you hear, please rate and review Scran and help other listeners to discover us too. This is a Laudable production for The Scotsman. You can find out more about Laudable and its other local podcasts by following us on social media, on Twitter, where we are at Laudable Pods, and Instagram by searching for Laudable underscore podcasts. I'm Rosalind Erskine, and you can follow me on Twitter at Rosalind Erskine.